Hey, welcome to Westside Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. Here at Westside, we're all about equipping believers to succeed in life and mature in Christ as they reach, win, and disciple others. In just a moment, you're going to hear an encouraging message. But before we get into it, if we can serve you in any way by helping you grow in your walk with God, we want to connect with you at wcspokane.com slash connect. Fill that out and someone from our team will reach out to you. Now let's get ready to study the word together. Ah, good morning. Merry Christmas. Glad you're here. Amen. Celebrating a little bit before we get all the family together in just a few days. Can you believe we're almost at the end of 2021? Wow, wow. Thank you, Lord. It's good to be here, isn't it? Did everybody get a candle? Anybody not have a candle? Anybody at all? All right, got it, got it, got it, got it. Okay, just want to make sure everybody's got one. We have a little bit of a candlelight service at the end, so just buckle up for a minute. Thank you, Lord. Got, got a few things I'd like to share with you if I could. I think the Lord's got for us this morning. And uh, you heard there were cinnamon rolls. Did you guys hear that part of the announcements? Okay. That's kind of our Christmas uh, tradition around here. So that's kind of a fun, a fun touch. Thank you, ma'am. Appreciate that. That's my daughter. Thank you, Caden. Everybody? That was very nice to watch her. Thank you. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. <laughs> mm. Yep, that's good. Thank you, Lord. You know, um, it wasn't terrible long ago that uh, my wife convinced me, and I'm not sure how she did this, but she convinced me to let her go away by herself on a weekend, and I have three girls. And if you didn't know this, I usually preach on Sundays. You weren't aware of that. So somehow I agreed to this. And um, so I had, I had to prep for Sunday, be here on time, and then get three girls ready, which is not the norm for me at all. I mean, you know, they'd all have ponytails and flip-flops if, that, you know, if I was in charge, that, which was not acceptable. So fortunately, I have, older, I have old, you know, some older girls, too, to help with the little one. But on this particular morning, um, my youngest was two. And uh, we, had her, we had her in her room where she really can't escape, and I can't really explain it to you, but she can't get out, we just, on purpose, um, because it's just safer. It's safer, safer. But she's in her room, and I hear uh, daddy. I hear daddy, daddy, you know, and usually she's ready to get up and ready to come out and ready to join the world, whatever. Um, but I heard three words from her that no parent ever wants to hear after daddy, and it was this. I pooped everywhere. So my mind went where your mind just went. Wall murals and powder-coated bed railings. And, and I got to her door, and I looked down the hall where I can kind of see the kitchen and, and the great room, and I'm thinking to myself, building this house was the longest year of my life, and there's a real possibility that I might have to burn it to the ground. <laughs> And start over. And, you know, she was a mess, but it wasn't as bad as what she said. And it's, 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 a, it's nice to have kids because God can speak to you a lot through your kids when they say things to you. And, and what, came to, what came to me after she said that was she's two years old and she's a mess and she, there's nothing she can do about it. She can try to clean it up. She can, she can try to make amends. But really, it's just going to make more mess. She needs daddy 
to step in in her mess and help her get cleaned up and help her get back to where she needs to be. And this is just like our Heavenly Father, where he's trying to get to us and help us, and we're trying to fix stuff before we come to him. And he's just saying, just crawl out to me, call out my name, and tell me you're a mess, and I can come fix it. I can come fix it. And that's what he wants the world to know, is that he's not asking for perfect people. He's actually in the fixing business. And that includes his kids who already love him, and we make messes on occasion, and he needs to come help us. But this is absolutely applicable to the world at large who do not know Jesus as their Savior, do not know that God is a good God, do not know that they can even call out to him with the words, Daddy. They have no idea. Religion's done a terrible job of conveying how good God is to everybody, to everybody. And so that's kind of our message this morning is just know that God's got a plan for us and he's, and he's had that in play for a long, long time before you even knew you could make a mess, he had a plan in play to help you get out of it. Amen. Amen. Turn to Luke chapter 2 with me, will you? Luke chapter 2. Can you take a little bit of word this morning? Thank you, Lord. He's so good to us, and the world just needs to hear it from our lips. He's good. Thank you, Lord. Luke chapter 2, we're going to start in verse 4. This is the Christmas story. You know, and... um, just while I'm thinking of it, before we go farther, just so you know, I, um, I kind of wrote up some stuff and, and pulled some stuff together uh, from some resources uh, about some family Christmas traditions. And we printed, up on, printed them up on little half uh, pieces of paper, and they're cut in, in half sheets, and they're on the info booth. So if you're thinking of some things you want to do to celebrate Christmas other than just uh, eating and opening presents, and you want to put Jesus back kind of in the middle of your family during the season, and I recommend you do that every year. Um, there's just some suggestions I laid out for you that you can add to your family traditions as you're going through the holidays so that your kids know, and this is important, that your kids know it's about Jesus. Amen? And the greatest gift of all is Jesus. Right? That's what we really want them to know, but if we don't do it purposefully in the moment, uh, it, it can slip by them. So just I made a few suggestions. Grab a copy of that on your way out. It might help you a little bit. Amen? Everybody good? So Luke chapter 2 verse 4 says this, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, into the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. He went there to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country, this is verse 8, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you that you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. God knew what he was going to do before this story was written. And what's interesting about this is that as humans, we wouldn't have picked, probably in our, in our plans, a baby. We wouldn't have picked a baby to come and be the, the rescuer and the savior. But what's interesting about this is that uh, the shepherds, 
were doing their job in the moment when the angels appeared before them and declared good news. And then there was praising and singing and rejoicing over what the angels just declared to them. And the shepherds are still trying to figure out what this plan is. Now, from the shepherd's point of view, they understood some scripture just because of tradition and religion. They understood that they were waiting on a Messiah, but they were looking for a Messiah that was going to come and, and deliver them, help them get away from Rome, Roman occupation. They, that's who they were looking for. They did not understand God's plan in bringing forth Jesus as a baby and then letting him grow into a man and then be our savior. They, that was not on the radar at all. And the reason why is that God reveals things to us in scripture that is out in front, but it's also hidden. So we can look back with hindsight, because hindsight's twenty twenty, right? When you look when you look back, you could have said, Oh, I should have bought Amazon when it was four bucks. I should have, you know, bought that piece of land when I thought of it, you know, when it was fifteen grand and now it's 150 grand, right? Hindsight's always twenty twenty, isn't it? So we can look back and go, Well, why didn't they see this? They were they were in the moment. They were trying to figure it out. God keeps some things hidden. One, because he wants to reveal it in his own time, but two, he also doesn't want to lay out all of his plans to the enemy. Amen? So <clears throat> just look just for a minute. We'll cover just a little bit of ground of, of where Jesus was born. So turn, uh, turn with me, if you want to, over to Micah. Micah, chapter 2. Micah, chapter 2. And I want to read this to you. <clears throat> Micah, cha- or sorry, Micah, chapter 5. Micah, chapter 5, and verse 2. It says this, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrata, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old and from everlasting. This place where Jesus was born uh, was Bethlehem, but it was Bethlehem, Ephrata, which means it's the agricultural zone of Bethlehem. It's actually a mile east of Bethlehem. So when they came to Bethlehem, there was no room because everybody was traveling to their home cities to stay so they could be part of the census. Everyone. So uh, Joseph was moving a little bit slower because his wife was prego, right? You just don't move fast when you got a pregnant wife. You move slow when she wants to stop. You pull over at the rest stop. You take your break. You just do what you got to do. Do I have any husbands in the house that know what I'm talking about? Okay, so it just takes a little bit longer. When you're traveling with child. So he gets there a little late. There's no room for them in the end. There is a place in the shepherd's towers. It's, it's another mile. They got to go another mile. But this, this place that Bethlehem Ephrata, the agricultural area, is where David's ancestral land was. This was his inheritance land. And he took land that, that was owned by him and he donated it. He gave it to the Lord. He, he gave it all to the Lord. And what this place was is this this tight little area where they raised sheep, they raised lambs in this area for the sacrifice for the whole nation. Now, just a little backstory is when God was uh, dealing with the Israelites on their sin, there was a sacrifice of a lamb. There had to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins. He set that up from the beginning because Jesus was going to be the lamb slain for us, right? So in this, in this area, this is where they raised the lambs. They had to be perfect to come before the high priest and before God as the sacrifice. So normally a shepherd would watch a hundred sheep or a couple hundred sheep. One shepherd could handle you know, a, a fair amount of sheep. In this area, they were handling handful. One shepherd was handling a handful of sheep. There were more shepherd's towers in this area that are honestly still standing. You can still see these places. There's more shepherd's towers in this little area than anywhere else in the world today. 
because they had so many shepherds watching so few sheep because when you have less kids to watch, you can keep track of them, right? You got 100 kids to watch? There better be more than one adult in the room. I'm telling you that right now, <laughs> right? So you, got, you just got a handful. You can kind of keep track because they are literally protecting and keeping the lamb that the high priest is going to pick to take before God as a sacrifice. And there could be no broken bones and no blemishes. They got to be spotless. And so this is, where, this is where Jesus was born. He was born in the tower of the flock. This was the, this was the exact place where the high priest comes down and inspects the lamb that's going to be taken up on the high holy day and sacrificed for the nation of Israel for the remission of sins. And, and Jesus, right, not coincidentally, was shuffled to this very place, this very area, this very agricultural place where the high priest inspected the lambs. So when the shepherds had the angels show up and the angels said, they said, this will be the sign to you, right? Um, that you, when you get there, when you get to the tower, that you will see the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. When, when the angel said that, they immediately knew the only place we have swaddling clothes for the lambs is in the tower of the flock. The only place that we do that is when the high priest comes down and inspects the lamb. Because when they found the lamb that was perfect, they wouldn't lead it back to town. They wouldn't lead it back to Jerusalem. They would wrap it in swaddling clothes and tie it up so that it couldn't wiggle free and it couldn't on the path trip and nick its knee or, or break a leg or, or they were protecting it, right? Where's my, where are my moms that know about swaddling a baby, right? When those babies come out, they like to be wrapped up tight as if they're back home where they just came from. They like to be snuggled and warm and tight and secure and, you know, babies will sleep real good like that, swaddling. So this is what they do. So when the angel said, you're going to go to the place where the baby's wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. They did the inspection of the lamb in the manger because it was elevated off the floor. They could look it all over, and then they wrapped it in swaddling. So the shepherds knew where to go. Ever ever wonder, like, well, how, did they, how did they know where to go? There's got to be a million barns, right? Like, which one do we go to? They knew exactly which one to go to because of what he said. See, this is God laying stuff out for us way ahead before we're even thinking about what he's doing. This is the mystery of what God has, doing, has done for us in showing us Jesus was going to come and be our sacrifice way before we even got here. Now, we can look back and go, it's obvious. Of course, Jesus is the lamb. I mean, we're looking at hindsight. But when they're in the moment, they didn't know what God was doing. They had a totally different expectation, right? So this is, this is what it was. And the shepherds, were, they were tasked with keeping these, uh, these sheep so they knew the value of what was going on in this place. Jesus was born in this agricultural center foretold by Micah because he was the Lamb of God that was going to take away the sins of the world. He, he, when his entrance to the earth came, he was in the same place as the sacrifices that come. Isn't that amazing? This is God's plan. This is how he works when he's talking to us. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger, looked over by the same shepherds that guarded the very lambs that he was coming to replace. It's amazing. It's amazing. See, um, turn over to Re Revelation 13. Revelation 13. Revelation. Is he going to Revelation on Christmas? Yes, I am. <laughs> and then the beast said, no, I'm just kidding. That's not it. <clears throat> Revelation 13.8 says, And all who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life. 
of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. There's two things going on here. One is that no matter who you are, whether you know Jesus before he appears or not, all will say he is the Lamb of God. All will bow the knee. All will confess Jesus is Lord. All of us. All of us. The beauty of this picture is, is that if, if you're willing to do it before that happens, you're saved. But you're going to confess them no matter what. You either do it out of absolute awe and reverence and compulsion because everyone will, or you do it by faith early because you believe that he is the Lord. But this is the point I want to say at the very end of this verse is this. He is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God's plan started at the very beginning. He had a plan for redemption before he even began to create us. He already knew how this was going to play out. He knew Adam and Eve were going to mess up. He knew that we were going to be messes in our sin. He knew that we were going to need redemption. God knows what he's doing. And it doesn't always feel like it when we're in the moment, but we got to remember that when we get down the road, there have been many things that have happened in our lives when we look back and we go, Ah, I see what happened there. I would have done it different, but I see what you were doing. And, and he, didn't, he didn't cause calamity and catastrophe. He doesn't do that in our lives. But while he's working and we think he should do something else, he's, he's got a plan already in place where he's maneuvering to help you, to get you to see that you need Jesus, see that you need redemption, and work things out in your life. And we got to trust God and operate in faith. Amen? And this is truly, again, our message to the world is that they have been lied to, they have been hornswoggled. I'm telling you, they have been lied to, that God's doing stuff in their lives, causing them pain, causing them catastrophe, and it is not God. He's the one maneuvering to help them get out of the mess, to help them get out of the stuff they've caused and come before their daddy and let him start to fix it. He's the one maneuvering that. And that's our good God. That's our message at Christmas, is that... He can fix any mess. He truly can. In second, or sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 6, it says, However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the, this age, nor of, the ruler, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have never crucified the Lord of glory. So this could, be, this could mean that he's talking about kings and rulers and princes on the earth. I believe he's talking about the rulers and principalities and powers that are in the earth, the spiritual forces that, that maneuver and are trying to outmaneuver God, which will never work. But he, that's why he set these things up and speaks sometimes in a mystery. He does things without telling us the whole plan. Because had the enemy known what... God was going to do through Jesus at his death, they would have never crucified him. That's what it says right there. They wouldn't have crucified him. But because God didn't reveal everything and tell the whole story and lay it all out in perfection beforehand, the enemy was like, we got a chance to kill him, and we're going to take him out. We're going to get Judas, and we're going to stir up the Pharisees, and we're going to, we are going to take him out. He is wreaking havoc in our world. And they killed him. And then three days later, they figured out, uh-oh, <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't, but this, this is encouraging to us because he won't lay everything out for us. 
He won't tell us the whole picture. He won't give us the whole story. He'll just ask us to trust him. And then we'll get wisdom and we'll get understanding and we'll get some revelation as we go. But if we'll trust him, he will prove himself faithful in our lives because he's so good. He's so good. And he operates the same. He's he's still working some stuff out. Now, we understand now, looking back, Jesus is the lamb slain, that he that he paid the price for all time, that we don't have to sacrifice any, many, any animals anymore. How many of you are grateful you don't have to sacrifice animals anymore for your sins? Come on now, right? Jesus paid it all, and we can see that from where we stand. But we have to understand that we're living in, in the now for us, that there are things we don't see because we're in it. But we got to trust God is working stuff out. Amen? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Jews thought that they needed liberation from the Romans. Right? That's what they thought Jesus was going to do. They, they did not see the purpose of a baby. How is that going to help us? They did not see even the purpose of Jesus dying. His disciples did not understand. Even though he told them, I will be crucified, I'll be raised on the third day. It's as clear as he could say it to them. He told them. They didn't see it. They thought Jesus was going to take over Rome, kick them out of the country, and we're going to rule and reign. This is going to be awesome. And when he died, they were distraught. It was hard. It's hard. But what they really needed was not to get rid of the occupation of Rome. What they really needed was a savior so they could be free from their sins. They didn't see the big picture that Jesus wasn't just dying for Israel. He was dying for the whole wide world. And the Gentiles rejoiced when they heard this message. You and I, we're in the Gentile bunch. Aren't you glad that Jesus came and died for the Gentile bunch? Me too. The Gentiles rejoiced like we can get out of sin. We can be free from this. We can have peace and hope. They rejoiced when they, knew, when they found out that the gospel was for them as well. And the Israelites, man, they didn't, they didn't understand that. But God had a plan. He was working out in them. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> I'm grateful. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this name before, but Brian Welch, uh, his nickname is Head. He's actually the lead singer for the band Corn, right? And this, this band, right, is not a Christian band, just so you know. And, but they rose to stardom uh, in, in very short order. They, they set records. They, they were just kind of their, they were the new kind of sound when they were coming up. And uh, they lived the rock star lifestyle. They absolutely lived it. But Brian Welch, uh, as the lead singer, was just empty. I mean, um, thoughts of suicide, doing drugs, alcohol, just he was a mess. He was a mess. It was daddy, I pooped everywhere. That's really where he was, <laughs> that was his life in a nutshell. And he would tell you that. But then he found Jesus, and, and, and in a short amount of time, because he surrendered it all to him, God delivered him from the drugs, delivered him from the alcohol. Now he has a message in his heart that he has to come to grips with because he's the lead singer of a band that basically worships evil in every way, shape, or form. And he had to wrestle with how to do this, but he loves Jesus. And so he had to be pulled back from the band for a while and raised his daughter and got in church. And I mean, this guy is the epitome of a, of a lead singer of a rock band. I mean, long hair, dreads, tattoos, druggy. I mean, he, he fits that kind of stereotype, but he loves Jesus now. So what do you do with that? I mean, he's telling everybody, Jesus is the way, man. He's the best high there is. He's, people are like, what happened to you? But he, he tells his story, and if you get a chance to watch his testimony, it's powerful, it's amazing. But he tells his story, he's like, I couldn't clean the mess. I couldn't fix it. I tried. I tried. I couldn't do it. It had to be God. And this is our message to the world. God 
will save anyone at any time if they're willing to say, just take me. Just, Daddy, help me. I, I'm a mess. I'm a mess. And that's our message to you. That's our message to the world. Come in your mess. He can fix it. He can fix it. He doesn't take clean people. He takes messy people, and he starts working from the inside out. And it's an amazing transformation, if we'll let him. But we got to make sure, as believers, that we're not too big for our britches either. We think we're grown, and we're trying to handle it all. Come on, you got to surrender. You and I, we have to surrender on a daily basis to his plan and to his way and to his way of doing things. Because whether we like to admit it or not, we have messes in our lives. Now, you might be real good about stuffing that in the closet. No, 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 don't go in there. But God wants to clean all the rooms out. He wants it all straightened up. He, want, he wants to use every part of your heart and every part of your life. And we got to be willing to say, okay, I, I've tried, but the closet door doesn't stay shut anymore because there's so much stuff in there. And then you just, you just hand it to him and let him go through it. And there, there may be some things in your life, like your kids, when you're throwing toys at like, that's my favorite toy. You haven't seen it in three months. What do you mean it's your favorite toy? Yeah. And sometimes we act like that. I need that. No, you don't. You don't need that. Yeah. It needs to go. Amen? Amen? So let's just let God do it. Amen? Yeah. We can't do it on our own. We have to have God help. We have to have his help, just like Malin needed my help, just like you need God's help. He, we need his help. And there are people that try to extort God, use extortion to get God to do stuff. That doesn't work either. There's a little boy that was writing a letter to God, telling him what he wanted for Christmas. And he wrote, God, I have been good for six months. And then he paused and he crossed that out. I have been good for two months. And then he reflected again. He crossed that out. Lord, I have been good for two weeks. And another pause, he crossed it out, he got it from the table, he went to the nativity scene, he grabbed the mother, the Mary of Jesus, wrapped him up in a soft cloth, went to his bedroom uh, dresser, put him in the top drawer, closed it, came back to sit down to write to God, God, if you ever want to see Mother Mary again. (laughs) So you, you cannot use extortion to get God to do anything. That won't work. He's not going to bargain with you. He's not going to negotiate with terrorists. He is not going to do it. We have to come to him and say, just take me as I am and fix me, and I'm willing for you to do whatever you need to do because I love you and I I need help out of this mess. And this truly is our message to the world. Amen? Amen? So we're called. We are called by God to receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We're called by him to say yes to him. We come messy. Let God do the, do the fixing. And then from there, we let the light of God shine in us. We let the light of God shine in us. It's, it's the light that comes in that turns into something. It's the light that comes in that is that glow to others that say, what's different about you? I guarantee you, Brian Welsh looks different to his bandmates, different to his family, different to the people that even come to the concerts that they perform. Because there's a light on the inside of him. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you made a decision to follow Jesus, we want to chat with you and help you in your walk with God. We invite you to connect with us at wcspokane.com slash connect, and someone from our team will be in touch with you. You can also hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any new content in the future. Thanks again for joining us, and remember, Jesus is coming soon.